Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and this is Games on Film. Welcome to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. We are back once again with the Pokemon Master. But hey, I'm excited. We are back with the main line Pokemon film franchise. We are doing Pokemon Forever. Yes, that's right. It's Pokemon Forever. Last Pokemon movie we did was Pokemon I Choose You, which was a sort of reimagining reboot anniversary celebration of Ash and Pikachu first meeting, etc. But this, I guess, picks up after Pokemon 3, The Secret of the Unknown. Yeah. For all those keeping score. <laughs> if you've not seen those other movies, like, hang on, I'm lost. What's going on? <laughs> but actually, this is the only Pokemon film which has some sort of intro at the start for all the parents who are like, what, what, what's the Pokemon? What's going on? What's... Uh, so I appreciated that. But before we go too much into spoiler territory he's back our resident professor oak as we always say uh it feels like 40 years ago for since he did our first ever pokemon episode but here he is it's hamish Steele. hello hamish wants to talk um i am back um I had never seen this film before, but I had told it was a fan favorite, and I said, let's do Pokemon 4. It's the one I really want to get to, because fans love it. Um, I do not know if I just passed on the kind of ring tape to you, um, <laughs> or if you did love it. Um, but it was fun to watch a new Pokemon episode, in a way. with From 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, thank you for having me. Well, this is episode 99 of the podcast, and well, technically it's our 100th recording, because we did a kind of episode zero before we did our first ever episode. But I think when we sort of started the podcast, we were sort of thinking it's going to be mainly zombie and Pokemon movies, because that seems to be just video game movie bread and butter. And in the end, we've only actually reached number four. We did do Detective Pikachu, and we did do I Choose You, but... You know, there's still about 16, 17, 18 more of these <laughs> suckers there, left. Are there zombie Pokemon? I know the ghost Pokemon, but are there zombie Pokemon? The undead. Um, I mean, Cubone wears its mother's skull. Do That's any something. Pokemon... I mean, do any... See, we're getting in deep here. Do, do any Pokemon eat other Pokemon? Yes, that is 100% canonical. Right. So it's it's whether I guess a, zomb- a zombie Pokemon would eat its own kin, then. So um, I mean, that salad huge... looks pretty tasty. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> fried onions. <laughs> I um, I'm a huge fan of the Pokemon Adventures manga, um, which most Pokemon fans agree is a sort of more interesting adaptation of the source material than the anime. Um, 
but I like it for lots of reasons, but the sort of reason, if you like Google it, the things that come up is that it's a little bit gorier than the games. <laughs> and That's what the, was missing. Um, Gore. There is a moment when an Arbok gets chopped in half, and there oh, is man. a moment uh, that you're reminding me of when they go to the Lavender Tower, there's a rotten zombie Psyduck with like a eye missing okay um so i think there are zombies of pokemon i don't know you know there's zombie like pokemon there's sort of mummy like pokemon um but no can't think of any particular sort of definitive but is the next pokemon game uh so in the world of pokemon as it currently stands in the year 2022 the next Pokemon game that's is that meant to be sort of Spanish themed or Mexican themed? I didn't know if there's going to be sort of Day of the Dead style Pokemon in the mix. We'll see. I mean, it is Spain apparently. Okay. Um, it's uh, Scarlet and Violet coming out end of the year. I think it looks very promising. Um, typically, I think the second game on a Pokemon console. Uh, Game Freak are a little bit more confident with the software. So all of the kind of technical problems that I had with Sword and Shield, I think, will probably be a little bit better. They're still they still all their games still do feel a little out of date. Um, but not every game has to, you know, have five hundred characters with a million moves added I mean, each time. As Nintendo fans, all of us were thrilled when the Switch got folders recently to collect <laughs> your games. Like, look, the, yes. fold- the update has arrived. I can now put my games in folders. I remember when Animal Crossing added sitting Ooh. and <laughs> a lot of Sony and Xbox fans were just like, Nintendo fans, what are you on about? And like, <laughs> whole Twitter timeline was just like, you can sit! Um... <laughs> So yeah, no, uh, but I think more excitingly and weirdly, coincidentally, more relevant to today's film is um, uh, the most recent Pokemon game, Pokemon Legends Arceus, kind of broke the formula. It got compared a lot to Breath of the Wild um, because it had grass, <laughs> but um, it's, I think, thematically similar in that Breath of the Wild kind of took all of the Zelda conventions and... Uh, either disregarded them or threw them on the head or sort of brought it back to just what the core of the series was. And even though Legends Arceus is kind of um, sort of a spin-off, sort of a mainline, it's, it's the first Pokemon game to truly capture the feeling of walking in the wilderness, hunting in grass and finding wild Pokemon in the way that the anime has always represented. Mm. And I think um, the reason it's sort of relevant for today's episode is that um, the plot line of the game is that you travel back into uh, the history of the Pokemon world uh, through a portal. You start the game as a sort of um, modern day teen who's from the future where Pokemon are your friends and you arrive in this kind of rural village of people who are terrified of Pokemon and don't really know what they are. Um, oh, I didn't of... realize the setup was more like Assassin's Creed then. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not like going um, the Animus. It's actually really lovely. It gives you a lot more incentives to capture Pokemon because there's lots of side quests where people say, oh, I'm terrified of Pokemon, but I did see quite a cute one. Can you find it for me? And then as the game, when you, when you start the game, 
the opening town is very barren and very cold feeling. And by the end of the game, it's filled with like people in their first ever Pokemon, and you sort of you sort of create the world of Pokemon in a way. Um, mm. But that was the uh, I feel like Pokemon the history of the Pokemon world has always been a little bit vague, and this is the first game to sort of establish kind of what things were like a hundred years ago. Um, which this game, this movie doesn't really delve into much with its time travel story. It feels, yeah. The thing is, I, I made some jokes, I think, in our first episode about what an old Pokedex might look like or what old Pokeballs might be. And uh, yeah, we do get some hints of that in this film. And um, But also, I don't think, like a lot of long-running franchises, you're never expected to have this amount of lore, was there? You never were going to look back into the ancient history of Pokemon. But uh, here we are, creating a game about it. Well, as I say always, gosh, that sounds interesting. I might pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it it's... Um, Sword and Shield is very controversial. It had the Dexit of uh, where it was the first Pokemon game where you couldn't have all of the Pokemon in the game. Mm. Um, and just before Legends Arceus, they released a pretty dire remake of Diamond and Pearl that was um, just the DS game, but 3D, but worse. Um, so this game is kind of the first Pokemon game product in a long time that has been pretty universally received well and a lot of good vibes. So people are going into, I think, Scarlet and Violet with a lot of good feelings towards the franchise for the first time in a while it seems they've um taken their time on a game mm. for the first time in a while it does feel like they're running out of opposites or just <laughs> things to call like pokemon meat and potatoes pokemon i don't know hot and cold wet and dry it appears that the scarlet and violet are referencing two schools it does seem like the game is set in a school um and their logos are a sort of scarlet orange or a violet grape <laughs> so do you like oranges or grapes so basically someone at pokemon just went to the vending machine and saw cans of fanta and thought hold on <laughs> i got a swell idea oranges? they missed apples and oranges i guess they don't have that expression in japan I mean, something else about Legends Arceus is that it wasn't, you know, there weren't two versions and it sold very well and no one seemed to complain about needing there to be, oh, a different version with some monsters missing. So we all know it's an extremely um, transparent marketing tactic that means nothing. No, it was so you can meet your friends in the playgrounds. And, you know, <laughs> I'm not allowed in playgrounds anymore. So this is, you know, I think also... This is on, great. This is great news. <laughs> Sorry to go on like a Pokemon deep dive, but there was a game um, a few generations ago which made it sort God, of you sound like, Sorry, you sound like Gandalf or something going through like the texts of Minas Tirith, <laughs> like a, in the third age a few generations ago. It sort of canonized the idea that every individual game cartridge is its own universe. And mm. in the game, you play someone who has to travel to a different universe and you use a dev you use this like giant universe spanning canon called a link cable. Mm -hmm. um, the multiverse is real? <laughs> and in the dialogue, they say some universes might seem the same, but they don't have all the Pokemon in them. <laughs> 
um which is uh i don't know i thought that was cute and some of the pokemon are called really immature names like mr butts and stuff but you know yeah i am a preeminent pokemon researcher and this is my fully trained bulbasaur called i don't know titwank i don't know it's the first thing which came out of my head moving on <laughs> so pokemon forever celebi the voice of the forest was released in japan in 2001 so at the time in the pokemon universe i that was i believe based on my bulbapedia research <laughs> um, we're talking generation two and Pokemon Crystal, which I think is the last of the Game Boy Color games and has a Suicune on the box. There's a Suicune on the label, Um, (laughs) uh, which is the, I guess, second prominent legendary Pokemon. Is Celebi a legendary Pokemon? Well, it's, it's like the kind of legendary Pokemon of this movie, effectively. Are you asking if Celebi is a legendary Pokemon because you care and I can give you an answer or... (laughs) Celebi's like a like a Mew type, mm. right? It's like a kind of 251, so it's the one at the end, right? You had to download him. On the DVD box, it says, featuring the legendary Celebi and Suicune. Only Suicune is a legendary. Oh Celebi God. is a mythical, which is the name given to things like Mew and Celebi, which you have to kind of get through other means. Legendary typically means the like the the birds... Um, I think Mewtwo counts as a legendary. They're like the big boss Pokemon. But mythicals are kind of controversial again in the Pokemon <laughs> uh, fandom because they're very special because they're not really in the game and you have to get them through other means. But increasingly, um, they're just the thing designed to promote a movie and they don't have any plot line or or hint in the actual games you just sort of and especially now that you don't like queue up at toys r us you just you know you'll see a tweet saying here's the code to download the new monster for the movie and then you'll download it and put it in your box and never really use it again um kind of makes you think of Fortnite skins or something yeah they're sort of box fillers um and i think celebi was still at a time where um you know, it wasn't DLC. Celebi was in the game. You just had to kind of unlock it. And so there's references in Gold and Silver to Celebi, um, which this movie is sort of vaguely adapting because there's like a forest and there's a, you hear about this kind of onion fairy. Um, I quite liked it in the film. I think it was in reference to Suicune where like Ash, as he, he wants to do, he spots like a legendary Pokemon or something only whispers about in myth. And then Dr. Professor Oak is like, yeah, you probably saw a legendary Pokemon there. And, you know, hey, you might see it again. It's like if I told you I sort of saw a dragon, an actual living dragon, and I was yes. absolutely believed it so. And you're like, cool. I had an experience a little bit like that when I went to Australia and I saw this beautiful uh, bird that I'd never seen anything as gorgeous as it. It was kind of this ibis with all these colours. And I said, oh my God, what is that, Justin? And he went, oh, it's a bin chicken. <laughs> and we we turned the corner and there was 10 of them and there were just these ibis birds. There was just like 10 of them in a fountain and someone like walking past, kicking them out of the way. <laughs> I think the next Pokemon game should be set in Australia. I mean, it's yeah. just 
the most dangerous Pokemon game ever. Yeah, you know, I'm just thinking Thunderwebs. Or make it a Pokemon game where it is just literally real animals. It's like finally Pokemon, but with real animals. Pokemon How exciting, kids! <laughs> yeah, dog. <laughs> I got a cat. <laughs> Ever seen a cat kill a dog? You'll see you will in this game. <laughs> but with Pokemon Forever, I believe it actually bypassed UK cinemas and was released straight to DVD in 2003. Two hot cinemas. I think part of it is because it seems like so, but the first three movies, they were all released through Warner Brothers and this was Miramax releasing it. And so that's why there is special thanks to Harvey Weinstein and Bob Weinstein at the end of the movie. Yeah. When Miramax logo appears at the start, I was like, hmm. And then the film is doing its usual Pokemon ballad at the end. They're like, ooh. <laughs> hmm. But that also explains a little bit why it is actually quite hard to find. Yeah. I think it's only available on DVD, like it's not available to purchase for streaming. So I've got a three-disc set, which contains three feature-length movies, all Pokemon movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's like one of those random three-disc sets where it's like Pokemon the movie four, Pokemon the movie five, and like that John Cat, that <laughs> Steven Seagal action movie, or just something's ended up there. I got the bespoke legendary edition. Um, mm. I see I'm there's a bit of text on the front. What what is in that big electrical fireball? The all the all new full length movie with explosive DVD extras. I mean, uh, I played the trivia game. Did you? Mm. I got, I got a perfect score. I got six out of seven. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Um, at the end, it says your answers will determine your final score. And my final score was a picture of Pikachu saying, great. And I, I, just, I couldn't be bothered to do it again. What did, what did Pikachu <laughs> say when you got seven out of seven? It wasn't a Pikachu. It was a, a Lavatar. Oh, what was he saying? Perfect. There Why was go. Pikachu the second like, best? Not the end goal and like a random Pokemon that doesn't feature in the film. I mean, I was I just picturing. I should... Sorry, I was just picturing a song where the Pokemon song is "I want to be the second best." Like someone <laughs> also was. I'm just happy with second best, and you know, just cause, just cause. Well, that did right. Just cause. Um, I think so. We have previously watched the Pikachu shorts. Yeah. Um, beforehand, and that did not appear on my DVD. I don't know if it appeared no, on I yours, had Hamish. Had to imagine. I've never been happier. <laughs> yeah, I had to imagine like Pokemon going to an art of a gallery or the Cenotaph or something, and you know. Well, just... so just before recording, I did decide to watch Pikachu's Peekaboo, um, which I found online. So we don't have to go into sort of too many details and spoilers for Pikachu's Peekaboo, um, <laughs> but. It does feature a lavatar, um, and it's guarding a garden, and mm -hmm. they then decide to play hide-and-seek. Meowth and Wobbuffet are mowing the lawn for some reason, and then the lawnmower goes crazy and chases after everyone, and it's actually quite terrifying because it's got chainsaw arms, um, and that's about it. That does sound terrifying. That's like elevated horror. Yeah. <laughs> 
And this was before they added an actual um, lawnmower Pokemon into the game, Rotom. Wow. Um, That's a a missed opportunity. (laughs) So anyway, I think that explains the presence of Lavatar is the perfect straw in the Pokemon Forever DVD tribute game. (laughs) I think I read on Bulbapedia that two Pokemon are present on the poster, but are not actually in the film. And I was like, yeah, okay, who cares? (laughs) (laughs) I did watch this um, with commentary. I watched this twice, actually, uh, because I watched the film. See, take me back to like Monday night. I had a choice of going to see Paul Verhoeven's masterpiece, Total Recall, at the cinema for a re-release. And I thought, you know what? I want to stay home and watch Pokemon Forever twice. And that's what I did. And I, I watched the commentary as well. Yeah, the commentary is interesting damn. because... It is recorded in that time where Pokemon was like super duper duper huge in the West, at least. And uh, I think it's the only commentary which features some of the voice artists. And some of them sound very much like Meowth, even in their speaking voices. So that's peculiar. But it's it's less about the film and more about just adaptation, adapting Pokemon in general. But there's a few interesting tidbits about how they really gave the impression that this film was like heavily changed from the Japanese version, which is, is actually par for the course. But I think the most changes are kind of clarifying like certain character backstories, which we'll get into when we get to spoilers, I suppose. But um, yeah, I did read that this was the only Pokemon movie in which scenes were animated like explicitly for the American yeah. audience. The spirit of the forest has been captured. Celebi is mine. And all of nature is under attack. You're supposed to protect the forest, not destroy it. But now, nature has a new hero. Pikachu! And every hero needs friends. Celebi! Hold on! It's the biggest Pokemon adventure ever. And it's only in theaters. Pokemon Forever starts Friday. I, Hamish, you seem to have the fullest DVD back cover. Oh, yeah, I don't know if you would like there. to do the honours of the synopsis. Please. Um, so, all your favourite Pokemon characters are back and are joined for the first time by the legendary Pokemon... Wrong. Celebi <laughs> and Suicune in this latest exciting Pokemon adventure. In order to, es- to escape a greedy Pokemon hunter, Celebi must use the last of its energy to travel through time to, pr- to the present day. Celebi brings along Sammy, a boy who has been trying to protect it. Along with Ash, Pikachu, and the rest of the gang, Sammy and Celebi encounter an enemy far more advanced than the hunter left behind in the past. This new enemy possesses a Pokeball called a Dark Ball, which transforms the Pokemon it captures into evil and far stronger creatures. When Celebi is captured, the fate of the entire forest is threatened. Let Pokemon Forever transport you to a world of adventure as Ash, Suicune, and the rest take action to (laughs) save the day. It must be an honor to be part of the rest. I know. I I will spoil. I don't think this is Misty's most prominent. uh, No, I was actually looking at my notes. I was trying to see where Misty contributed to the film at all. And at one point she twists her ankle, which allows her pursuers to catch up with her. That's basically her entire purpose. 
Look, as someone who also twisted that ankle this week, and I am currently recovering with, I fell over and I basically can't walk at the moment. That's a serious, like, part of your life, sure. a twisted ankle. And, and you know, were you sort of hoping some sort of magical Pokemon might instantly fix it with his finger? Yes, when I came home, uh, Justin walked on all fours out of the sky and nuzzled at my ankle and it glowed wow. and then it was healed instantly Perfect. and then he went back into the sky going justin <laughs> well again we know that pokemon tears can bring people back from the dead according to the first movie so again why don't you just carry a small a small you know condom filled of pokemon tears just in case why a condom why not a vial like a regular person <laughs> Maybe Cubone, who cry a lot, are sought after before that mm. is. Yeah, Do that human tears sense. revive dead Pokemon? No, but no, human tears kill Pokemon, so don't ever. I cry. did have a question about that at the end. <laughs> I thought that's what was going to happen, but well, well we maybe we should. Yeah, non-spoilery thoughts. I usually say mine first. So, uh, Rory, what what did you think of Pokemon Forever? I liked Pokemon Forever. I think it was actually my favourite of the Pokemon sequels we've seen since. Well, I mean, it's favourite of my Pokemon sequels. So I think it's maybe not as... doesn't offer as many thrills and chills as Pokemon the first movie. Um, and I think if I had gone to see it at the cinema at the time, if that was even possible in this country... Um, <laughs> while also watching, again, <laughs> while also watching the Pokemon TV series, it would have felt very much like this is just an extended three-parter of a regular show because the kind of the states and the conflicts and the you know whatever feels very much like your average Pokemon episode. But having not watched an average Pokemon episode for as many years as since this came out, probably. Um, I kind of felt the nostalgia watching it back, but also just appreciated how it was simple, clean, efficient Pokemon storytelling. (laughs) You're you're sort of like saying that, like slapping your hands, like you're a politician. It's like simple, clean, efficient. Yeah. I mean, Um, I was thinking more Gordon Ramsay, simple, clean Pokemon (laughs) storytelling. Like, I, we'll talk about this, I imagine, later, how you ha- have a Gordon Ramsay podcast, and I can totally see him being a Pokemon sort of gym leader or something with his collection of cookery-based Pokemon. But yeah, so I, I was... Um, I am pretty positive about Pokemon Forever all being well. I mean, I'll go less. I, I really dug it as well. I did dug it, in fact. That's a Pokemon reference, I think. Uh, I think we both came to this film wondering, oh, do we want to do another Pokemon? And in fact, Hamish, you, after you recorded our last ever Pokemon episode, which was, I think, I Choose You, I think you were ap- apologising afterwards for being so negative and like, oh, do you really <laughs> want to do this anymore? It's like, well, I started asking sort of questions like, have you got much further plans for this podcast at all? That sort of thing. But um, I agree, this felt like a nice, solid episode of Pokemon. It reminded me of how... Star Trek Beyond, the um, third Kelvin vs. Star Trek movie, one of its strengths is that it feels just like a classic episode of Star Trek with a budget. And, well, this probably doesn't have a 
budget per se. Um, <laughs> there's some interesting CGI effects, which you notice because they look different to everything else. Um, I thought it was really refreshing that the villain in this was just a Pokemon hunter, which I guess is different from a trainer because he does it for profit and not personal glorification. Dang. Yeah, personal okay. <laughs> Whatever that means. But um, I liked how for this villain, he didn't want to take over the flipping world until the end, until he got drunk on power. <laughs> but his, his, you know, we've had these finales taking place on like Mewtwo's Island or in flying palaces. I liked how this was entirely set on a forest. It gave me a like Princess Mononoke vibes. And that's might be because I'm on a huge Studio Ghibli bender at the moment, but there's just a lot of about forests and the corruption of nature. There's like a mystical goat thing and a healing lake. <laughs> Um, it is basically someone from a Pokemon production company saw Princess Mononoke and were like, do that, but Pokemon. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, I just thought it was, I mean, I did check my phone a lot during the fight. <laughs> and that's probably because you... They... You had to look up if this was real, if it's happened. I know. Well, also... You were checking your Pokedex app. I was very much so, but I think more accurately, I... Um... If you have they don't ever do anything new with the Pokemon fights, you know what I mean? I have seen a, very much the same Pokemon fight ever and ever again, but it's also might, might be just my lack of attention span. But I just really vibed with this forest setting. It was nice to be in what felt like an actual ecosystem where, I mean, it's been such a long time since I saw Pokemon 3 and the mainline Pokemon films that I thought, it was just really nice to be somewhere where the animals, the Pokemon act like animals living in this little forest and ecosystem. And there's moments where you're watching what butterflies evolve and things. It's just really pleasant. And it's always a plus when it's about 70 minutes long. So yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't say I would return to these films anytime soon. I think for, I think more for just nostalgia purposes, I, I will return to the first movie a little bit more because of all that crazy Mewtwo has turned into like Tetsuo from Akira type stuff. But this was, I, I, I wish I'd seen this sooner. I've been waiting all this time. My life would have been <laughs> just that little bit better. You've been waiting almost half the amount of time that Sammy spent in time travel past or whatever you want to call it. And of course, this was you popping your Pokemon 4 cherry, Hamish, and <laughs> you didn't like that. <laughs> What um, was this everything you could have hoped for? Okay. I'm glad because I did like it too. But I always feel a little guilty because I did set it up as like, this is the one that people really like. But I think it's just because it's one of the only ones. Um, we won't say what it is right now, but I think it might be Baby's first twist. Or <laughs> like, I think it probably is very nostalgic to a lot of people who. Um, you know, I I have baby's first twist. I mean, obviously, I'd seen things with twists before, but I remember being, uh, I remember telling everyone at school like, "You have to see Spider Man. You won't believe he's Peter Parker." <laughs> um, no, I, I remember like, I do think it has some interesting, um, development of characters, or like, I feel like a few of the other movies just things happen, and this one is um, quite small. And it is about Ash making a friend, and I found it very sweet. I cried. <laughs> um, well, the first film ends with like 
everyone's memory being wiped so there's literally yes. no character development and i think i read that one of the changes the american audience american audience did the american makers did was there was a bit of an it's all a dream type aspect to it and so they corrected that to make sure everything did definitely happen i think um you come away from this film knowing a bit more about a main character which i think is uh more than you can say for a lot of the <laughs> other pokemon movies um but i feel a bit guilty because you know these aren't good i would rather watch princess mononoke <laughs> no this is we're um, all doing this in the context of video game movies and, and pokemon movies specifically this time around like people have, have you seen the wind rises fuck off have you seen pokemon forever <laughs> <laughs> i think it's the fact that i like this I better did, though <laughs> I didn't like uh, Pokemon I Choose You. I, I, I found it very weird. Um, I mean, again, which is a bit boring. It, it only boring. existed, I think, like the CGI remake of Pokemon. I think what well, we've. I can't even remember now. Have, was it two movies or one movie which which remakes um, the Pokemon the first movie and also the first yeah. few episodes of Pokemon? uh no there's that's a two separate movies there's okay. a cgi remake i think um also we did pokemon 3 before then which was like the film i loved as a kid and i think coming back to it i saw a little bit more of its failings so yeah i feel the same this this was very pleasant um i read this is like the last movie with brock misty and ash as <gasps> the mains what well, the others um, the rest. the rest the rest um oh they brought back the rest um <laughs> for the final episode um also like this is probably like the last pure gen 2 um gold and silver crystal kind of era and that's definitely my most nostalgic uh even though i played red and blue i remember you know devouring every single nugget of hype about gold and silver and and being very obsessive so it felt very much like returning to a very comfortable place. And yeah, I, I got emotional. <laughs> very like had some very unusual imagery. Um and some quite nice music, I found. Cool. Well, shall we sort of go deeper into the kind of the plot and story? So I guess spoilers for <laughs> Pokemon Forever, I Celebi, see. the voice of the forest. I love the idea that like someone's listening to Ooh. this and thinking, okay, I better go off and watch this, and they sound pretty positive about it. Um, I mean, yeah, by all means, good luck. Find it on DVD. Yeah. So, of course, the big twist, which was alluded to, is that Sammy is a young Professor Oak, and... A big difference between the Japanese version and the American version was that this was very softly alluded to, I think, in the Japanese version. In fact, I was very pleased to see Tracy, who, believe it or not... A sentence that has never been said. <laughs> yes, I, as has been established, I freaking hated Tracy, and that's partly because he's a waste of skin, and it's also because... <laughs> He's a waste of ink from the animator's pens, but mostly it's because he replaced Brock for like a single film. And I'm like, how dare you take this Brock away from me? But I was pleased to see him here working as an assistant in the end credits. He didn't open his mouth, so that's a plus. But um, he's going through Professor Oak's 
things and he uncovers a sketchbook which we the audience knows belongs to uh, sammy from the past so that is this basically saying we're saying two things one that both uh tracy and professor oak sketch pokemon but only one has become any sort of success uh and two (laughs) um that uh that's professor oak was sammy but i don't want to say you know there's very easy you can either go two ways with this you can either say gosh american audiences are stupid so they need things spelled out in in specially animated segments where Professor Oaks muses to himself earlier in the film, maybe I should tell them what's about to happen. Um, or you could say, why are the Japanese filmmakers so reluctant, to, so keen to hide this information to write at the very end? Um, I don't know if it's like a cultural thing. I think it depends like what the objective is by having this. Like, Is this a cute little button to end a film on? And it's sort of like just a bit throwaway or does this like reframe and change the whole relationship of Ash and Professor Oak? And you can approach it in two different ways. And I guess the Japanese way is maybe keep a little ambiguity, like have this little thing, a little revelation, but just let other people piece it together or just like literally be like, holy cow, it was Professor Oak all along. But I will be honest I did not realize it was Professor Oak all along until oh like the very end. I was not paying much attention. <laughs> the thing is the time travel aspect of this film is like, it's, it's barely there. It's really just a way for when Celebi and Sam are being attacked at the start of the film to escape. And then it's not really sort of commented upon much for the rest of the film. It's only then towards the end when they were catching up with Professor Oak explaining all that happened. I was a bit like, wait a minute. Is, is Sammy <laughs> Ash's dad? <laughs> and then it's just like, Oh, well, I guess it's not Ash's dad. Um, well, I think, I think what Sammy at the start of the film sounds so much like the, uh, like Veronica Cartwright. Is it Veronica Cartwright? Who does the voice of, was it Veronica Taylor? I kept getting confused with like the Simpsons yeah anyway it's voiced by uh an actress as kids in animes tend to be and i i but i i thought sammy was a girl for ages and i so i thought maybe sammy was uh ash's mum so but not no it's it's professor oak and yeah i agree samantha ketchum to you (laughs) thing is yeah i agree the time travel thing hasn't really anything to do with the plot and i certainly got a sense in the commentary that the american producers just love time travel and so they couldn't they couldn't not resist having more focus put on this sort of thing if the film was hinting at something during it it was completely lost on me (laughs) me a sort of 37 year old man rather than the target audience 30 years my junior (laughs) what's the matter ash uh, you haven't said a single word yet. Didn't you enjoy your little adventure in the forest, too? Oh, sure, Professor. But you see, I met this Pokemon trainer and we got to be friends. But I... I just don't think I'm ever gonna see him again. He decided to go back to where he came from, Professor. To another time. What the... I wouldn't worry, Ash. Oh? 
True friendships can withstand the test of time, and I have a feeling this one will. Uh, I'm sure you and Sammy will be friends forever. Hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Professor. I think so, too. With that, too. I think we better get going. Yeah, I don't want to miss the boat again. We'll tell you everything when we get to Pallet Town, okay? Fine. I'm looking forward to it. Hey. What's the matter, Misty? How'd Professor Oak know Sammy's name? We never mentioned it to him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Professor Oak's amazing. He knows everything. <laughs> hmm. It seems like it happened only yesterday. Harry, when did you realize the twist in this baby's movie? <laughs> well, again, you say to, you, you meet a character. Well, basically, it's the, it's the same plot of any time travel story. If you meet a character from the past, it gets transported to the future. It's going to be somebody we know. And, and again, they did animate this section at the start of the film where Ash and the rest are at a port and they're video calling Professor Oak and then they get, jump onto a boat to get away and then Professor Oak then says to himself maybe I should tell them and then that very much just says it in black and white that he's he knows something um, this actually creates a bit of a continuity error though I read because they basically are at the same port at the end of the film when they're meant to be somewhere else entirely so but that wasn't my question. All right. right. When Go. did you realize that Sammy was yeah. Professor Oak? Come was on, at that moment. Up. No, like in that in that scene. Then, like maybe ten okay. ten minutes in, because as soon as you know, as soon as Professor Oak is musing to himself, I should tell them. It's like, well, who else is going to be? Like, I would have much preferred it if it was like Jesse or James or someone. Um, who. Team Rocket get a little bit more to do in this film. Like they directly interact with the villain and they actually help the villain for a little bit. They are for the first time part of the plot, which is <laughs> a miraculous. So the twist was the only thing I actually knew about the film going in. So oh, I was man. I was spoiled. Oh, um, I wish I'd learned this. You know, hadn't learned this. <laughs> I wish I'd gone pure. That said, I I've always known that he's Samuel Oak. Um I I think it's very sweet. I would probably say that if I, you know, got the Japanese script, it, this would have been my note. Mm. Like that is the most interesting thing this film has going for it. Lean into it. I think I would possibly maybe cut that little line of "Shall I tell them what happened forty years ago?" But I I also think I mean I would have given a lot of notes, but one of I it does seem like the time travel is very. Um, the film's very disinterested in it. I thought there would be a lot more like fish out of water. What's a pokeball? Kind of like you. This film can be argued for being like the origins of the idea of the Pokedex. Um, but again, that's like you're inferring that a lot. Well, also, I don't really think I like the idea that capturing Pokemon and Pokedexes. Well, I'll say Pokedexes and things has has only really been forty years going. You know, or um, 
I mean, I guess it establishes that maybe Pokeballs have been around for quite some time because he has that mechanical Pokeball. But it sort of implies that cataloging Pokemon has not been a science until like 40 years ago. Up until then, like it's like it's like seeing a fish and be like, what the frick is that? I think it's interesting that Professor Oak seemingly grew up in Johto and drew a Celebi when he was younger, but when he's older, thinks there's only 150 Pokemon. Yeah, well, we he don't got know... senile and lost count. I think. Oh I yeah, think he... it's... <laughs> that was a house fire. Burnt down half his notes, and he's like, oh, "I'm gonna start again now." It recontextualizes Oak giving Ash Pikachu if he knows that he needs to like create the time loop. Um, yeah, it's a causality causality loop there. It's a butter, butterfree effect. <laughs> I think it's just, uh, yeah, I, I agree. This film is not interested in time travel beyond this kind of, the function to save Sammy and Celebi at the start of the film. And that's why I wasn't really thinking about the identity of Sammy, because like later on, you know, they have this sort of campfire chat, like Ash and Sammy, and they're sort of just like talking about how... Sammy suddenly realizes, oh, I guess my mum would be worried that I've been missing for 40 years. But then they kind of like, sort of like, just say, oh, I guess worrying is what mums do. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's the only thing they do. Um, this is a world where parents send their 10 year olds out into the great wild beyond to hunt vicious monsters. So I don't know. I'm thinking just kids, parents have a lot of children. It's like flicking Victorian times, but rather than dying of malnutrition and things, it's, um, oh, this crossbone onyx. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> but also, I because at that point, it hadn't established that they're trying to get Sammy back to his timeline. So I thought he was just going to stay in the future because they cared so little about it. So that's why I wasn't even thinking that right. the identity of Sammy was someone else, because... I don't know, like, if I travelled forward in time, would I'd probably just stay in the future, you know? <laughs> like, what? why go back? Like, you've, I'd you've get all the lottery to... numbers and then go back. <laughs> yeah, like, like Ash and, and the rest emerge from the forest and it's like Biff Tannen has got the almanac from Back to the Future and it's like, it's like <laughs> oak, oak Towers and, like, Ash meets his mum has had, like, a chest implants and everything and it goes... Very, very interesting. That would have been a good film. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, like, uh, maybe I'm a dumb dumb, or maybe I was just so captivated in... Yeah, you were lost in it. The character of Celebi and the beauty of nature that I wasn't even thinking about um, the, you know, the true identity of little Sammy. Or, like... I think it just says something about your character. If you're in sort of a catastrophic situation, like you've traveled forward in time, you're like, no, I'm stuck here now. I'm not going to go <laughs> back. But like in Star Trek, stuff happens all every day of the week. And they're like, well, we'll, we'll get back to normal by the end of the episode. I'm sure it'll be fine. It's like a temporary setback. But I guess the sort of the instigator of, of everything is that Celebi is being chased by a Pokemon hunter. And that gets into the whole oh, someone's evil because they're trying to catch a Pokemon um, scenario. <laughs> and then flashes forward and we see this sort of, this Pokemon hunting kind of basically looks like Chris Pratt in Jurassic World, except with like an eye patch, just running, driving around in his motorbike. But I liked the kind of the 40 year time jump and you have like the older version of him being manhandled by our actual main villain, the Iron Mast Marauder, 
who is a member of Team Rocket, but a more successful one. And again, we get into the whole situation of, oh, the villain just wants to catch Pokemon, but with this Dark Ball power... And he's got a scary spider vehicle as well. He's evil. Look at his, um, his stuff. But what's sort of funny about it is that he explains the Dark Ball by saying when he catches a Pokemon with the Dark Ball, they become evil. Like, literally (laughs) evil. It's not just like, oh, it makes them even more, like, angry or something. It's just like, they literally become evil. Oh, and they also increase to their highest level. Surely, like, you would say, oh, it makes them super strong, it increases to their highest level. But the side effect is they turn evil. It's just like, no, the selling point is, catch it with a dart ball, you get evil Pokemon. And what's even better, sweetens the deal, they're as strong as they could possibly be. But the main thing is that they're really evil. I was just thinking sometimes when you overthink aspects in these video game movies, you have to stop yourself because you sh- you, you sh- really shouldn't. But I find the more I think about this, the more interested I get, by which I mean, like it does pose the question, if you're a Pokemon trainer and you could get this dark ball, which increases your Pokemon to its maximum level, but it becomes evil, would you do it? It's a... It's like chasing that dream of being the very best. And I don't know. It's it's basically, it's about this whole steroids debate. (laughs) Because I imagine that all these Pokemon which come out have been like, you know, juiced to the max. Their sort of, uh, you know, genitals have shrunk. And, you know, they're ready to win Mr. Universe. (laughs) Do you think that they need to sort of do a urine test on Machamp? In the Pokemon tournaments, oh, there's like... be all sorts of drug tests uh, before a Pokemon tournament. I'm a Pokemon uh, drugs tester at the Pokemon tournament. <laughs> so, evil Pokemon. <laughs> there is. Um, I do find this very interesting. So, there are in several games things called Shadow Pokemon. At the same time, well, maybe a bit earlier, there were was a trading card line called Dark Pokemon. And this was before Gold and Silver introduced the Dark type. Um, But the Dark type in Japanese, I believe is called the Evil type. Mm. It doesn't mean... It it means... um, And I think it's more meant to evoke the kind of... The heel in wrestling. Mm -hmm. The sort of... The bad guy, the grumpy type. Rather than darkness again i'm element. imagining wwf but people get released into the arena through a ball you just throw a ball yes. into the stage and stone cold steve austin appears it's the equivalent of pokemon having like a goatee to denote they're the evil yes. one mm-hmm. but not like literally evil like stone cold steve austin <laughs> i um or guy fieri who's the evil gordon um <laughs> i was wondering what it, what they were called in the Japanese, but I also thought this was an element that wasn't utilized as creatively as it could have, because he turns a Tyranitar, which is a big, scary monster Pokemon, into a slightly scarier, slightly... Yeah. It seems like it goes from, like, kind of muted colors to dark green and is just grumpy, but I think we should have seen, like, an evil Jigglypuff or an evil yeah. Togepi or something. No, that's true. I want to know what Jigglypuff singing metal or something. And he only seems to do it to this one Pokemon. It's it's quite boring. And again, we want. I know you just you sort of brought this up, but once again, we have a movie where the villain is characterized in the first scene, 
by using his Pokemon to weaken a wild Pokemon so that he can capture it. Which is like monster. What am I, you know, what am I supposed to take away from this? This was before the games you could like hang out and be friends with your Pokemon. I thought, I mean, I'm sure I remember a line in one of these Pokemon films where they also said, Pokemon aren't evil, it is their trainers who are evil. But then this supposes that technology can make a Pokemon evil. And I would imagine that if you're a trainer using an evil ball to turn your Pokemon evil, that makes you evil. But what if you just i mean i'm just saying there must be a rescue shelter for evil pokemon where like they find all these sort of a packet or pack of like evil uh psyducks in a box and you know <sighs> yeah this who world is, who is the real pocket monster mm. frankenmon but you know frankenstein's monster i i got i got a <laughs> as real... it's known in japanese <laughs> i liked the villain in this, he reminded me of um, the baddie in The Rescuers Down Under. He's rocking around in his giant mech trying to capture a precious animal. And like I said, he doesn't have aspirations. or He's not like a giant CEO. It's only when he learns the power of Celebi and he creates a giant wicker man kaiju in the final act that he thinks, hmm, maybe I could be the boss of Team Rocket with this giant kaiju. <laughs> well, he does say, uh, yeah, now I can rule Team Rocket, and then the whole world, if I want to. <laughs> he hasn't yeah. quite decided. It's still like TBD. <laughs> Speaking of um, Rescuers Down Under, um, did you catch at the start that they, he was fighting a Australian trainer called Dundee who had a crocodile? And I bet you did. Sounds like you did. <laughs> I think Australian is generous. Well, it was like, I don't know why this almost completely unseen character had to say, My name's Dundee and I'm a Pokemon trainer. <laughs> yep, most people are. I mean, I, 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 sent a, I sent a picture to Hamish the other night where um, we get, as usual, a montage with like a Western pop song showing general Pokemon adventure stuff. Basically, I think we are talking about being a great trainer. They say the word Pokemon a thousand times. And then we cut, we do like a hard cut to the captain of the boat are on saying, so I guess you guys like Pokemon, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's like pretty much pretty obsessed. It's great though, that Brock and Misty are, you know, they're waiting for Ash and Pikachu to catch up and, they're already on the boat as it's leaving. They're like fully prepared to like dump their lazy asses at the first opportunity. Well, if they don't come soon, they're going to miss the boat. Crobat, go! My name's Dundee, and I'm the best Pokemon trainer in the whole town. Well, my name's Ash, and I'm a pretty good Pokemon trainer too. Why don't you pick a Pokemon and we can have a battle? Eh? Croconaw, go! Croconaw! A Croconaw, huh? Never battled one of those before. Okay, Pikachu, let's go! Catch him is my real test. 
but the main action takes place in this forest called Arborville, this sort of like treehouse forest. And this is where we catch up 40 years later with this uh, grandma now character who was seen in the opening giving a, a loaf of berry bread to the young Sam. And we were also introduced to her granddaughter, Diana, which who Brock immediately makes a beeline for and introduce himself saying, hi, I'm Brock, training to be a Pokemon breeder, but my, but my specialty is human relations, which is part of course for the horny one. of the one. two horny jokes of the film. Mm. I also caught there was a moment where um, the villain is commenting on Team Rocket's uniforms, and they say, like, we work for Team Rocket too. Yes, that's why we have our uniforms. And then Meowth says, they let Pokemon be naked. <laughs> They do indeed. They get to go naked. It's like <laughs> it, that's the. I mean, that's the word. It's like we we get to go we're naked. We're allowed. We're it's just like yeah. We we James enjoying. keeps asking. <laughs> Giovanni says <laughs> no, <laughs> not again. <laughs> um, I mean, I did enjoy in the. I read the full Bulbapedia plot of this film, and it says that Team Rockets. Preferred mode of transport is seemingly a giant pink paper aeroplane. I just like I just like that detail. That's a preferred mode of transport. I actually liked a lot of the vehicles in this. I like the boat that turns into a kind of airship of thing. Airship thing. Why and would the you not spider robot? It looks like the rescue rangers blimp. Mm. Yeah, um, and there was a robot spider. Yes, that's the transport of the masked marauder, right? Yeah. It's just like, I liked how it was always, the top of it was always just out of frame. So you always saw the legs going for the trees. But again, it's designed just to look naughty. It's an evil mode of transport. <laughs> you know. Another weird mode of transport is the horrifying Wicker Man abomination that acts as the sort of final boss of the movie. The Masked Marauder gets hold of Celebi and puts Celebi in the dark ball. Ah, it all makes sense. Yes, I remember now. <laughs> um, and then also, like, Jesse is trapped inside it. Kind of, it reminded, that reminded me of Akira, where, like, you know, Tetsa has gone on monstrous and then this is Little Lady inside. Um, but I enjoy. It doesn't this. have a point moment where Jesse's face just, like, gets squeezed until it pops into a no. bit of goo doesn't happen but again the amount of times i've been flung into space i'm pretty sure they're immortal um i feel like this was at a time when there was a lot of pokemon but there still weren't enough for every purpose i think nowadays they wouldn't put you know they wouldn't make the final villain of the movie a sort of made up creature mm. um they would just have a pokemon to deal with this scene um, I found it quite spooky, even if it had only one like animation. <laughs> I, I really liked the design. I think it, like it is meant to look a bit like Celebi on a larger scale. If it was made completely out of bits of forest, like it, oh, yeah, it creates yeah. this sort of like yeah, this sort of wicked twig monster thing, as Meowth calls it, through creating a sort of vortex, which is how Jesse gets kind of sucked in, and then inside it's just filled with vines, etc. Um, so yeah, I thought even though yeah, it is like just this CG thing walking through this 2D uh, realm and so sticks out like a sore thumb. It had this 
because it was very kind of like faceless in a way. It's mm. again a little bit like Princess Mononoke or something. It it had this uncanny strangeness to it because it's like clearly not a Pokemon, it's something other, and that makes it a bit more uh chilling, I would I say. I think the presence of Jesse being strung up inside it gives it an actual set of stakes. You know, you'd, maybe it's because I've watched Akira and I didn't want that horrible thing to happen. But you know, it's, it's do our heroes care if Jesse lives or dies? Um, I'm well, Jesse can't save <laughs> Sam because, like, they're falling. True. I think like Sam grabs onto Jesse and she yeah she saves Ash and Sam, and then they like carry on on their quest. And she's like, hey, don't just leave me hanging around. Yeah. I but think... then again, like Team Rocket do call them twerps the whole time. And, I, and this film <laughs> definitely made me appreciate the word twerp as the perfect kind of use certificate insult. <laughs> <laughs> there was a good line where um, they're, they're in their little flying device and they see Ash and the rest uh, down below. <laughs> the rest. And uh, they say, the twerps are below us. Of course they're below us. They're twerps. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just even talking about Team Rocket, I've got that slow jazz sort of music which plays in the background. uh, um, I mean, speaking of the music, there's, um, I think, at least in one of the battles, they had just the classic Pokemon battle music again. It just makes me happy to hear. Um, I read somewhere, I think it was, I read somewhere, Bulbapedia, obviously, but this was the only... Uh, add up the only film in the Pokemon series so far that when brought to the West had its original soundtrack on. And I'm assuming not including like the, the, the pop music at the end. <laughs> the end credit song is like insufferable because it just plays up this whole like time travel concept, which again, barely registers in the film. And so just every now and then you think the song's going to finish and then they just go like rewind and, and then they just play like, <laughs> Another chorus. What was, the, what was the name of the song? It's called Let's Celebrate. Hmm. Celebrate. I didn't work that out until it's literally said that in the credits. <laughs> um, I will also say that Pikachu's Pikachu does include a montage of all the Pokemon hiding because they're playing hide and seek. And it then has to have like a three and a half minute song of like a fully grown adult man singing about how much he likes to play hide and seek. <laughs> Fully grown adult man, yeah. There could be someone hiding. I'm playing hide and seek with my friends this weekend. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to start like apologizing when I sent a late email saying, "Sorry, I was playing hide and seek. (laughs) (laughs) I was uh, I was hiding, Um, and I was really good. So actually, you can't be sad that I wasn't there. I've definitely played games of hide and seek where people gave up looking for me, but that might be more to do with me than my. (laughs) <laughs> sort of hiding skills. So I guess after the big monster, we do get to the portion of the Pokemon movie where uh, one of the characters dies and then everyone cries mm. and kind of back to life. Who was it this time? Um, it was Celebi. <laughs> oh, Celebi yeah. ended up looking like a manky onion. Um, looking. Here's an interesting thing. It's not interesting, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I uh, I hadn't seen this film, but I had seen almost every single shot of Celebi in this film as GIFs. Right. Because um, one of the most prominent Pokemon websites on the internet that has been around since the dawn of time is Cerebi. And 
Salabi gifts, Salabi pictures, anything is all he posts. Uh, obviously, well, not all he posts. He posts like very accurate information about Pokemon games. But when it's like I'm having a great day, or it's the anniversary website, it'll always be a shot from this movie. Usually Reaction not of Salabi. <laughs> yeah, usually not of Salabi dying. Um, but Unless I'm there's just... some bad Pokemon news. <laughs> I just felt very fam- it was so much the movie even though I hadn't seen it that I was just like really overly familiar with like shots. It's like watching a movie that the Simpsons has referenced a lot. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we haven't really I mean like we haven't really talked about Celebi and I I'll, I'll say that I didn't really care one way or the other about Celebi as a Pokemon before watching this film because I didn't really play gold and silver or anything like that. But you know, Celebi is very cute. Yeah. I, I, I think it was a very, like, I th- I liked the fact that it's all like Spirit of the Forest and all this kind of stuff made sense. You know, having that mythical Pokemon element like you said, Hamish. But I thought it was a very cute Pokemon and its little reactions and its little face when it's sad or its little face when it's happy and when it's dying <laughs> um, <laughs> it was very cute. I liked how small it was when it kind of ended up flying near them. It was much smaller than I mm. uh, ever thought, and I think it's a cuter design than Mew, yeah. which always looks a little. Basically, looks um, like a floating embryo. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also kind of appreciated that none of the Pokemon in this film went like, "It is the gift of the forest." None of them <laughs> talked. Which no, I'm apparently, looking at the stats, this is the only Pokemon movie so far where no other Pokemon other than Meowth talks. I think Stantler came close. Oh god, yes! Stantler's voice is just some guy just saying, Stantler? Stantler? <laughs> that was very distracting. I wrote that in my notes as well. Um, no, I don't think this film would have been improved by like Celebi going... Thank you for saving the forest with me. Or something. I could use pants. <laughs> Just another classic. Um, I mean, I did this. I agree. I thought I didn't give a crap about Celebi, but it was very, very cute. I was a bit distracted by how it's got tiny little wings, but when it's it just hovers without the aid of wings. But, you know, that's probably more of an animation thing. It also can make people fly, um, which, again, people seem... I think people seem pretty okay with. They weren't like really shocked or surprised because I'm sure Ash has like magically flown in other films by now. Imagine living in the Pokemon world. It'd be freaking fantastic. It'd be like living in the good place. <laughs> yeah, of course, as I said, I got a real Princess Mononoke vibe because Celebi gets a little bit uh, deaded and they take him to this magical healing lake, which doesn't work because the water's been tainted. And then I think it is uh suicune has again all these pokemon i feel like it's like when people moan about new jedi powers all these pokemon just have like very convenient powers which and suicune can heal the water because it's also known as the north wind and then like a a portal opens and loads of celebi appear for some reason well they kind of they time traveled or was it like a multiverse portal no they say that heaven they say that, you know, when one Celebi's in danger, all the Celebi's throughout time come to help it. I see. It could even be the same Celebi. Who knows? Mm. Um, yeah. I love that. <laughs> That's the scene I cried in. I just thought the music was really beautiful. And yeah. I, it's, 
I think you could sort of tell that they were using the Japanese score because it was just like an earnest moment. I feel People like going la 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 la. Yeah, I love that shit. <laughs> Celebi? Celebi, you can't die! You know, with these moments where a pivotal character or a Pokemon is being cradled in someone's arms and it looks like they're going to die. It's probably not the case, but I like how the film let it go on for so long. Like you think, Oh, it's okay. Cause they'll just heal it with the lake. It's just like, Oh, that didn't work. I'll just force feed it berries that it lights. Oh, that still didn't work. Oh, oh yeah. Now we're just crying and it's dead. <laughs> no, I actually, I do appreciate how Ash is like, don't worry. I take care of this. And he starts forcing berries into Celebi's <laughs> mouth and they just keep rolling off its face. That's uh, yeah. pretty harsh. But um, yeah, like ultimately Suicune, yeah, because Suicune like, purifies the lake, but then that still doesn't heal Celebi. So like Suicune's presence in this is pretty, yeah. I mean, I, I these legendary Pokemon designs are never my favorites. Um, I'm not sure I know what's quite going on with Suicune. <laughs> Suicune has um, their own wind machine. That's kind of <laughs> the only thing going for it. People seem to really like Suicune, and it has an oddly prominent role in, like, I mean, it's the mascot for Pokemon Crystal, even though it's one of the three, which is kind of odd. It was a character in Pokken Tournament. People love it. I prefer Entei just because he's a bit hotter, but I <laughs> Suicune's mm, fine. I'll just remind me, where was Entei the, in Pokemon 3 the opposite of Suicune? So they're, they're both from gold and silver. Uh, no, they're, they're all, all three legendary beasts. Um, there is a third one who never got a movie. <laughs> um, and I believe has only all appeared like very briefly. Yeah, there's no real reason. Um, no, they were all in gold and silver, but um, they just made Suicune the mascot of Crystal, which was also the first game where you could play as a girl. Um, and the daughter of the old lady in the forest evokes that character's design quite a bit, which is kind of the same hair. Um, so it definitely was intended to be like the Crystal movie. Mm. Mm. Crystal but I don't forms. know. So that's basically Suicune's presence is advertise the game. Yeah. But like, so Celebi gets healed with all the other Celebi, but then there's a moment straight out of Friday the 13th where <laughs> the Marauder just like <laughs> leaps out of the lake and grabs Celebi. He was <laughs> hiding in that shallow water for like, Seven minutes. It's a good thing anime water is like solid blue and not in the least bit clear. <laughs> um, that was so funny. And how, ma- how many times did you think he was literally just going to die? Because he blasts them yeah. off into the sky. There is an all-encompassing explosion, which I thought he was going to die in. Then he falls to the earth, which I thought he was going to die in. Yeah, then so he's just, surrounded just to pause by... you there, like Ash and... <laughs> 
Ash and Celebi and, and Pikachu, I think they're all falling from this great height, as is the Masked Marauder. And obviously, Celebi saves Ash and Pikachu and lets what I thought the Masked Marauder die. We see the shot of the Masked Marauder falling into the trees. And I thought, that was a choice Celebi God, made. <laughs> Celebi it wasn't like, killed him. oh, my powers can only levitate two uh, living creatures at once. So sorry. It was like, no, you're dead. But then, as you say, Hamish, he's surrounded by. I thought he's going to be savaged by Pokemon. Well, we don't. We, do we know what ultimately happens to him? He's strung up. Oh no, I'm getting. <laughs> I'm strung up like Saddam. <laughs> he is strung up um, by. It was two thousand and one. Um, and we don't know what happens after that. I mean, maybe it goes like the mist, where like the uh, the webbing coming out of Pokemon turns acidic, and he just gets burnt by the very bindings which holds him. I wasn't looking at the end credits montage close enough, but maybe there's just like a shot of Arborville that pans left and there's just like his head on a pike and it just keeps going. It becomes <laughs> just like forest. a human, a human shaped like um, spider web just like hanging in the trees. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was wondering if the Masked Marauder it was created from whole cloth from for this film or was he, has he got any basis from the games? Um, no, not really, as far as I'm aware. Since then, there have been, like, Mexican wrestler characters. Um, but, like, Team Rocket has always had these, like, various levels of agents and, um, yeah. It's actually kind of refreshing to have Team Rocket technically being the villain of the yeah. movie. Like, Team Rocket barely even feature in the, um, first movie, even though they kind of instigate the events um but how do we what happens to team rocket at the very end do they blast off no i think we're just no. watching no this is a rare i say rare i don't know i haven't seen all the pokemon movies but team rocket ends the movie drifting off oh yeah in the healing lates and all their aches and pains being washed away it's maybe the best thing that's ever happened yeah. to them they just have to go and blast themselves off later or something. <laughs> I think that's called a happy ending. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a little sick of these movies having kind of references to the fact that they, um, you know, maybe we'll have a bigger role in the next film. Just like they're the best characters. Just give them a movie. Would you see a Team Rocket Origins movie? 100%. Why? They seem, they Live seem action? To be... There seems to be a stall happening on... I mean, is a Detective Pikachu 2 film actually happening? Because the film, the original film seemed to really wrap everything up. And I'd be totally happy if they just went Pokemon story. The Team Rocket Origins, a Pokemon story. Who would you cast as Jesse and James? Hmm. Army Hammer and Gal Gadot. <laughs> 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 I oh mean, my god, that worked too well. <laughs> um, I watched only uh, half of that Death of the Nile. Non controversial choices. I was, watch- I was watching it with like a DP, and she was like, This looks awful. This looks so awful. We are going to steal enough Pokemon to feel the Nile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, my, I'm going to suggest. Um, 
Dan Levy as James. Mm -hmm. And um, Jenny Slate as Jesse. I'd watch that. I've got Dan Stevens down because I very much enjoyed (laughs) him as a person, but he's also great in that Eurovision song. Um, Dan Stevens can motion capture Meowth. Okay, great. (laughs) Just get his beast outfit back. Mm. Crawling around with a coin on his head. (laughs) (laughs) Just no other dialogue other than whenever other characters finish their sentence, he just goes, that's right. (laughs) And we can do digital fur technology on him. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the three of us so to our surprise, we actually enjoyed it. I just liked how this was sort of like a no frills, <laughs> no frills Pokemon adventure, and it just concentrated on being a good Pokemon adventure and didn't try to be like an epic. Where the last three, I think, really try to sort of justify the big screen s of it. You can have a quote for the DVD box that says "No frills, <laughs> not epic." Yeah. <laughs> five stars <laughs> but i mean again i sort of with a certain apprehension look to the future to the other two films in my trilogy box set uh, which were confusingly in the wrong order the first the topmost one was is actually was pokemon heroes or something yeah and that's number five yeah so on the dvd but then the other one in the box is i think the seventh movie so i don't think it even has the sip one right so we're gonna have to. We're gonna lose the plot a bit now, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I I worry that this is as good as I'm gonna get because we we saw Pokemon. I choose you, the CGI stuff, and it just felt a little bit like going through the motions. I think. But um, hey, finishes strong. This is Star Trek Four, the one of the whales version of the Pokemon movie. They made a fourth Pokemon movie. What is there left to say? <laughs> Uh, I give it Pokemon three out of five stars ever. <laughs> I this is so unrelevant, uh, relevant, but I have this vivid memory of watching um, News Round and like Attack of the Clones came out. It's twentieth anniversary kids, this year. They are asking kids, do you give it a Obi One Kenobi, an R two Dito, a C three PO, or a four or five? <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I'm surprised I even enjoyed a movie called Forever. Yeah, I actually had to sort of. I I didn't like calling my Team Rocket prequel movie Origins because I hate films with the word Origins in it. But um, as you said, I think in our conversation, you can't stand how the fourth Batman film is called Batman and Robin, and the third one is called Forever because that is incredibly confusing. Hey, I'm annoyed that it, that Pokemon did gold, silver, and crystal, and then years later did diamond, pearl, and platinum. Oh Surely yes, gold, metals. silver, and platinum. Oh my god, God, they don't know what they're doing. They could be so much more successful if they just got their you know their elements and crystals right. And that is the worst thing that Nintendo has ever been accused of doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, this same weekend, as, what, as well as watching Pokemon Forever, I watched Jackass Forever. But um, <laughs> there was very little commonality between the two films. <laughs> wow. Well, again, I'm just now imagining the Pokemon universe having its own version of Jackass, where 
the I can imagine like an anime version of Johnny Knoxville sitting on top of a Volcorb without any trousers or pants on and being zapped and zapped again and zapped a third time. And... Although actually the opening of Jackass Forever does is a little bit similar to what happens with the Tyranitar um, <laughs> with its hyper beam. But, um, uh, but we're talking you'll about... have to watch Jackass forever to, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not actually safe, safe for this podcast, I imagine. <laughs> What's ostensibly a children's film? Cool, all yes, right, Jackass. well, Hamish, thank you so much for, for guiding us yet again. Although perhaps we're holding hands all together, maybe going through the woods like the Cowardly Lion, the Tin Man and the scarecrow why am i going down here i don't know <laughs> thank you hamish for joining i was to start again <laughs> uh yeah thank you so much for joining us yet again for what is this your sixth pokemon film you've done with us fifth pokemon film uh fills it sixth pokemon film and then you also did monster hunter wow that that definitely oh. held its uh, in my memory. Yeah, um, I hope you'll come back for the sequel, Monster Hunter Two Origins. <laughs> There's definitely a few uh, remaining video game movies that are based on games I've played, and I know you haven't. Um, but we'll see. Um, thank you for having me. It was lovely. And this is a, this is a very special week for you, a special time, isn't it? Because you've got something on the horizon. Yes, at time of recording, the trailer, finally, for our um, TV show is dropping tomorrow, but by the time it's out, I'm sure you'll be able to watch it. And coming, so I I think I can say, finally, the release date um, for Dead End Paranormal Park, uh, coming to your Netflix account on June 17th. Um, It is great and fun, and it was really hard to make. And uh, we made it all in lockdown. And um, it doesn't have any Pokemon in it. Um, But like Pokemon Forever, it is an adaptation. Uh, (laughs) And that is about it. Um, And it's it's a cartoon. That's another thing that's similar. Um, I mean, I was trying to to tell uh, my wife how... Sonic the Hedgehog 2 was the Paddington 2 of Sonic movies and she asked me to explain this and I said well for one thing the main character is animated and I kind of ran out of things. And there's to a do. two. There's a two. They both carry they both carry their favorite food on them at all times. There's a, a bit yes. where they're in prison in Pokemon there's 2 in the Pokemon the bit where Paddington um unites the Chaos Emeralds and becomes <laughs> Super Paddington. Yeah, there's that bit. Spoilers um, for it's Paddington. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. I, I'm not very good at the elevator pitch for this, but it's an animated uh, comedy horror series. Um, it's a kind of mystery. Um, it's got demons and ghosts and set in a theme park, and I think it's really fun. And it's for kids. It is for kids. It's a PG rating on Netflix for threat. Okay. Um... But it can so be enjoyed watch- <laughs> by all ages from PG so, Yes, watch with mother. Um, so of all of the eight-year-olds listening to games on film, <laughs> um, please make sure you get your parental permission. 
but I'm very pleased of it. And it's, I think I must have been talking about this on the very first episode I joined you for, um, or at least sort of saying, oh, I'm working on something. So it's going to be very, very nice to finally yeah. say, I made that show. I don't think you can watch. I don't think people realize quite how long it takes to make an animated movie like Pokemon Forever. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was like so many years in the planning, like so many animators, so many cells. Uh we we began production on our show in 2019. And it is now coming out in June 2022. A time period in history in which nothing of note happened. <laughs> so yes, um, if you like cartoons, then you'll like this. That can be another quote for the dead end thing. If you like cartoons like Pokemon Forever. Yeah. Like the Mickey Mouse. I'm very interested to see which Netflix shows it says because you watched X, oh, yeah. watch Dead End, um, and vice versa. Maybe there will be some Pokemon overlap. We'll see. Oh no, see I think Amazon Prime does something weird. Like I think I was looking up like vampire films and then I went far enough down the list and it said like the William and Kate movie about Prince William and Kate Middleton. I thought, are they, are they vampires? I'll watch that. <laughs> Royal Blood. I will also quickly plug my um, own podcast because I did mention Gordon Ramsay a couple of times and both of you have been guests. Um, Waking Kitchen Nightmares um, where we chew the fat and cut to the core of uh, 10 year old episodes of kitchen nightmares and uh approaching we are going to cover our first gordon ramsay video game mm. Mm. Is, it, is that Juicy. like augmented reality is that like a vr simulation you find yourself in the changing room you're like where am i and he turned around and he's pulling on his smock and he's like let's make some I fucking lasagna we, i don't know what anything about it but we are playing the hell's kitchen wii game Mm, okay. Part of the player's choice collection. <laughs> it's um, not. It's not. It's not like Cooking Mama, except it's called like Cooking Bastard or something. I think it is literally Cooking Mummy, but he swears at you. I think <laughs> that's genuinely what it is. I don't. Th- I don't. I can't imagine him swearing on on the Wii game, but we'll see. But yeah, I, I would. I'd very much recommend. It's, it's actually my favorite podcast. Believe it or not, like the minute it appears on my feed, yeah. I download it and listen to it because I giggle so much. Um, so yes, good recommendations and definitely check out Dead End. Um, next time on Games of Film, it's our one hundredth official episode. As we revisit the hunt, um, four of you guys have been listening to all ninety nine or iteration so far. I hope you're waiting with anticipation for our next episode, which is going to be the Games on Film Awards. I think it's the goffers, I called him, because, you know, <laughs> the award ceremonies are sort of a place for self-aggrandizing, backslapping of how great we all are. So uh, we're coming up with some awards and I hope you'll join us then. Yes, we're going to go back through our back catalogue of video game movies, etc. that we've covered on the podcast and we'll have some categories and nominees so do get in touch with the show if you have any suggestions too for categories that we should be awarding our awards to for video game movies, etc. <laughs> I was going to say back, very slick back crapologue, but we're here to celebrate video game movies, as I always like to say. Um, in the meantime, how can people keep in touch with games on film? 
You can find more information about the podcast on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. All episodes of the podcast are available wherever you get your podcasts, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast. So please do like, rate, review, share, and subscribe on those platforms. We are on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at gamesonfilmpod. And you can contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And Hamish, how do you? I'm Hamish Steele everywhere. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. We, we turned back time and enjoyed watching this film. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, uh, yeah, until, oh dear, I've, I've completely lost my energy levels. I did enjoy this film, but hey, until next time, I've been Harry. I've been Rory. I've been here. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.